Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. I've recently met today's guest and I'm really looking forward to finding out more about her and chatting about a topic that's dear to my heart and I know is going to be really one that the listeners will be interested in and interested to explore. My guest is Amanda Balcom. She's a health and mental fitness coach with a focus on burnout prevention, stress management and mental well-being. Amanda was a former award-winning financial advisor and she experienced burnout a couple of years ago and she's now made it her mission to heal not just herself but use her passion for health and connection to support other high-achieving women regain their energy, their confidence and enthusiasm for life. And I'm really looking forward to diving deep into that. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Catherine, for having me. It's great to be here. Yes, I'm really looking forward because we'll dive into that in a little bit in in a minute or two about the the burnout and the prevention and what you do. What stage of life are you at? Where are you at in your life now? Yes, so I am married and I have two adult children that are currently at university in Sydney. I have recently transitioned to a new career and a business. As you mentioned, I'm now a health and mental fitness coach. So that's sort of where I'm at. Big changes. And because that's been fairly recent, we're going to, we're we're going to dip into that in a little minute, but there's some big changes for you. So you've got kids in Sydney. Where, where are you living? Where are you? So I live in Tamworth, rural New South Wales. Those in Australia will know international listeners. So you're sort of, you're probably halfway up Australia. Would you be the mainland or not? I'm just trying to uh, picture. So we're about five hours north of Sydney and yeah. we're inland a bit. So it's sort of in between Brisbane and Sydney. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's a good way to put it. In, in between yeah. Brisbane and Sydney. And how long have you been living there for? You, you haven't always lived there, have you? Or have you? I have. I actually grew up here on a f- property and I, had my schooling here and then I moved away after I finished school and went to Sydney for about five years, studied and worked and then came back to Tamworth and met my husband, fell pregnant. And yes, sort of, we went to Brisbane for a couple of years, but then came back. So we've brought our family up in Tamworth. Oh, lovely. So you've come back to your hometown. Yes, exactly. Your hometown. That's cool. So what was growing up like for you? So you grew up on a property. Yes, just outside of Tamworth, and I've got a brother and a sister, and I was the eldest. And on a property, you you learn to work hard, so you get that good work ethic. You sort of have to 
help out. Yeah. Uh, but it was a lovely lifestyle. I enjoyed being on a farm. And yeah, it was just what a lovely. What sort of farm was it? Was it livestock it was, or? It was mixed farming. So we had cattle, sheep and cropping as well as making hay. So mixed farming property. Yes. Yeah. And did you go to school in Tamworth? Did you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was yes. your property I, far out of Tamworth? No, it's only about uh, 20 kilometres. Yeah. So only about 20 minute drive really yeah. outside. So close to town. So we had, you know, we could access all the facilities and sports schools. Sounds perfect. Um, Sounds yeah, perfect. it was. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in a country town. I grew up in Young in New South right. Wales, but I was a townie. I wasn't a, um, I wasn't one of the, the kids that were on the farms. So we were kind yeah. of, you know, townies and the farm kids. Yes. The <laughs> it is a bit like that, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. But I always loved, my girlfriend um, lived out of town. So I loved, I loved um, spending time at her place on the weekends and after, you know, school sometimes. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's a great lifestyle. It is a good lifestyle, isn't it? And it's lovely that you've been able to bring, that you've gone back now and you can being able to bring your kids up. So that sort of yeah. cycle, that's lovely to, to yeah. be able to do that. What was growing up like? So a good lifestyle on the farm. It was, did you know what you wanted to do after school? I always like to ask people that question because I had no idea. Did you know? Yeah. Well, I, I sort of, I did. I thought I wanted to do physiotherapy and I was working hard because the marks were really high. Yes. And I didn't quite get the mark, so I got into occupational therapy and I started doing that at university. But in that 12 months, I actually got sick and was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. So I ended up dropping out of university and I didn't like the course I was doing. (laughs) That's often the way, isn't it? A lot of, yeah, yeah, the course is quite different to what perceptions often are, yeah. Yeah, so I, and, but I, I took some time out to get well and then I moved back to Sydney where I was at university and I decided to uh, do business and I worked in hospitality and retail. So I really got a good grounding on building rapport and relationships with people and that's something that I discovered I really loved doing. And I'd moved back to Tamworth to save to go overseas and that's where I met my husband, and then I fell pregnant, <laughs> which wasn't really on the cards. No, no. no. <laughs> and I kind of was, which was actually great because I wasn't in the middle of a career and I was quite young. I was 25 yeah. when I had my first child. And we, uh, my husband got made redundant from GIO at the time. And we went to a financial planner that worked, he worked with. And he said, Amanda, I think you'd be really good at this. You're great with people and maths is something that I really enjoyed and figures yeah. and problem solving. So when we left Tamworth to go to Brisbane for a couple of years, that's when I started studying financial planning. And he said, if you ever come back, let me know. And we did. And that's how I got into financial planning. And, and it's what I loved about it is building relationships and helping people yeah. uh, navigate retirement. Wow. Isn't that interesting that, it kind of was presented to you. Somebody saw something in you or even just planted that seed for you. Absolutely. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't really on my radar. No. And I didn't even know what they did no. until we actually got a financial plan done ourselves. And 
you know, I started to look into it and I was like, I think this could be a really great career. And I love that you develop relationships. So that's, it did present itself and it ended up being something that I really loved doing for 17 years. Wow. Can I unpack that a little bit more? And I'm, I'm not even sure if you know the answers to it and just see what comes forward. I, I was running an event the other night, the happiness hangout where we were talking about choosing you. And there were some questions about, you know, how do you know when we're talking in a, a work or a business context? Like how do you know what to follow or to pursue? And I had a very similar, I, I said to them, I kind of fell into my career because opportunities yeah. were presented to me. I didn't go looking for them, but when very similar to what you said there, that somebody yeah. had seen something in me and then an opportunity opened up and I was able to follow that and absolutely love it. And a lot of the things I did was, so I worked for the tax office, then I worked for a private right. training organisation. Then I started my own business and the process of starting my own business, it took me probably about a year to go, what is it that I want that to be? Like, what do I want it to be? And then I'd get a little bit more clarity around that. And then it was just kept asking myself, you know, if I was to start my own business, what could that be? Like, do you recall what your process was from when that person had said to you that you'd be good at this to actually becoming a financial advisor do you recall that process yeah look I I remember we got the financial plan done which then gave me an understanding of what they did and when he sort of said to me as you you know I think you'd be really great at this because he we'd known each other through my husband's work and just my I guess building rapport and and relationships he could see that in me and when we went away to Brisbane I started studying actually a double degree in psychology and I'd started that. And then I, it sort of made me pivot and go, Oh, you know what? I'm going to check this out and see what financial planning is all about. And I could see that that was one, a shorter course and two with two young kids. That's when I did my study. And two, I actually felt that I was really aligned to it because as I said to you, I really loved maths and I really enjoyed that whole superannuation, tax, numbers, and problem solving. Problem solving. So, and that strategy side of things. So I could see the best of both worlds there. And, and once I started studying, I was like, yeah, I really like this. And we actually then decided to move back to Tamworth because we realised we actually loved the countryside and yeah. the city wasn't for us, but it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And then I rang the financial planner and said, look, I'm back. I am nearly finished my study. And he actually put me on. And that's how... I started in a small business. It was just him, myself, and an assistant. And then after about three years, I wanted more exposure to more planners to learn and grow because that's me. I love to learn as much as I can and grow. So that's when I went to a bigger organisation that was in New South Wales and Queensland and Victoria. Yeah. What what um I guess I'm hearing a lot there as well is you – kind of know yourself or you knew bits when you um, started studying that you were exploring what the financial planning was like you gave it a go and it was just like oh actually yes this is aligned with what I 
you know, I like to do. So for yeah. me, that's almost like a bit of a feeling or a bit of a knowing when you're in alignment that it's, um, it just feels good. It just be, it just sit. I don't know. How do you describe that? I find that a little bit hard to describe sometimes. Yes. I think, you know, I'm about, I'm quite open to trying things yes. and I could tell I loved people and I get my energy from people. So I really, I knew that side would fit well with me. Yes. And then I guess when I started studying and understanding what the financial planning, you know, side would look like, the strategy, the the modeling and working out people's retirement and future, I when I got into both, I was like, yeah, I feel really aligned with yes. both sides of this. Yes. And yeah, and I just really loved that the whole all of it. I just really loved it. Mm-hmm. And was excited to find something that I loved. And the other benefit was I could fit it in with my family. So it was yeah. really important to me that I could work part-time initially yes. and be able to drop kids off at school or preschool and, and pick them up. So I was able to fit that career in with my life. How and How Yeah, so it ended up being just a perfect yeah, yeah. marrying of career and family. But that's also about, like, I think there's a little bit of luck that's at play with things, but I think a lot of it is about when you're in alignment with who you are and what's important to you, then you're attracting the similar things into your life that are in alignment with that as well. And and actually, when you say that, and I look back, mm-hmm. when I moved to the bigger company, I remember the manager interviewing me and I said, look, I can only work nine to three because yeah. I have children yes. and that's what's important to me. And he said, oh, no one in the company works those hours. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to hear from them. <laughs> but the good thing for me is there was a shortage of financial planners, especially in rural yeah. areas. And I think he saw in me that I would make it work. Yes. And he came back to me and said, yep, no worries. And I did make it work. You know, yes. I was I put in the hours and I was good at what I did but then I could go home and pick my kids up from school. So I feel that, yes, when you're in alignment with what you're doing and you love it, then you attract those opportunities yes, that, I agree. that fit with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did you manage, because when you were just talking then, I did something very similar when my kids were at school. I guess I did flexible work arrangements before they were really a thing. Yes. Um, because yes, I'd same. said to my employers then, actually, I remember when I was in the tax office, my manager, he said, Catherine, I don't mind where you work from. He said, this stuff needs to be done. It needs to be done by this time. You manage how you're going to do that. And I'm just trying to think about right. it. This was back, gosh, my kids are 25 and 27 now. I would have had a laptop at home. I'm sure I had, I had a computer at home. So I, we would have had some. Yeah technology to be able to work from home. That sounds really weird, yes. doesn't it? Because it was like, that's like no. 30 years ago. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. But it was, so he was really great. And then my other employers, I was able to finish work at three, go and pick the kids up, get them all settled. And then I'd pop back online right. a little bit in the evening. And in all honesty, I probably overcompensated to yeah. make up. I probably worked a little bit harder. How did you manage being a working mum, like were there any strategies that you? Yeah, look, I think you still end up working almost a full-time job in shorter hours. I think I was 0.7 or 0.8. And it was, you know, tricky 
And I guess sometimes work would seep into a weekend or an evening and I would travel once a fortnight to a regional town that I serviced. And when I did that, I stayed overnight. So I've, I always use that time to catch up. Yeah. So you just, I guess, work it out and you, you, you are busy and doing it. But I guess I loved what I did. So I was able to manage that, but still have some boundaries around, you know, making sure I finished at three and picked the kids up, ran them to sport and did things around that. So actually boundaries is a good point. I, there was times when I felt like I wasn't doing anything like work. (laughs) I felt I wasn't doing a good job at work. I felt I wasn't being a great mum, a great wife, a great, you know, I made it work. But it yes, was, there were some stressful there was, times. Oh, I agree. Things that the kids were just like, "Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, kids." <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I can so relate to that because yes, you don't get it right all the time, no. and it is hard, and it can be stressful, and yeah, and I think sometimes you just have to, you know, on reflection, yeah. just have a little bit more self compassion, and that yeah. you're trying to do your best, and. Yes. I, I think what I did do, they brought in, we were able to add an extra two weeks of holiday. So instead of four weeks, we could do six weeks of holidays. And I did take that option up because I needed that yeah. in the school holidays and things yeah. like that. And that worked really well. Actually, I think a lot of workplaces, a lot, a lot still don't, but recognising that if they can support people to yes. be able to, you know, the family friendly, that they actually are more productive at work. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And that really helped, I think. Yes. And with staff morale as well. Mm. Mm. So what led to the burnout? What, so you're with the financial advisor for 17 years. Yeah. So I, I was with the original one for three yeah. years and then I moved into yeah. the organization and yeah. I was there for over 14 years and yeah. I really loved working there. Yeah. It was fantastic model and company. And then it did check, like we did get bought out by a big super fund. And there's been a lot of change in the financial planning industry around legislation and regulation. So compliance yes. you know, really amped up and the workload increased. So I know lots of planners have struggled with the, the increased workload. I guess it was a combination of things. There'd been changes that were made in the organisation, which I guess my clients struggled with. So instead of being serviced locally, in a regional area, it went to more of a call centre and, and that was really tricky to navigate. And me being a, a people pleaser, which I realise now, I didn't like seeing them upset and I wanted to service them. So I was taking on a bit of an extra role on top of my financial planning to make sure they were looked after. And I realise now that really wasn't sustainable. And with some of those changes, I realised that my values ended up becoming out of alignment with the organisation and and how they were servicing their clients. And I realised that this isn't how I wanted to operate any longer. So, yes, it was workload, it was changes, it was my values. It was also my own doing. I'm a high achiever and I'm used to just pushing through. And I probably didn't listen to those signs of what my body was trying to tell me initially. And I kept pushing, thinking that, everything would be all right, and then it wasn't. <laughs> Actually, before you go into the it wasn't bit, because I want to find out what it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> about, you can really hear from what you're saying there about that 
misalignment with your values when you were talking about financial, how you got into the financial planning and advice and the psychology and the people and the connections. And then when things changed that were, you know, really out of alignment with what seemed to be core values for you, that's a big thing as well. And then combining that with the high achieving and I experience it and I know a lot of other women do too they're often self-imposed goals and expectations when I said to you that you know there was a period when I was a working mum and actually I'm still a working mum but when I had (laughs) kids at at school and and felt like I wasn't doing anything well I, I was doing like I was producing quality work but it was just that feeling that I was putting pressure on myself that I'm not doing it as well as I should be doing it yeah that was all my you know the the pressures they were my pressures that I was putting on myself Um, and that's exactly right and I was feeling the same I remember saying the same thing that I'm not doing anything well I don't feel like I'm doing work well I don't feel like I'm being a good wife mother sister daughter all of those things so and and a lot of that was my own pressure yeah. on myself and yeah. expectations. Yeah. I used to have, I used to have, I've still got a girlfriend, but she used to say to me, cause I would also take on a lot of other people's stuff and want to make things okay for people. And she would yeah. say to me, Catherine, just put your Teflon jacket on. Just let it slide off. Just let yeah. it slide off. And that would make me even more. Like, how can I just let that go? Because there'd be things that would be going through my mind going, if I let that go, I won't be doing a good job at whatever. I can't, and I don't think I'm a perfectionist. I have, I do like things to be of quality. Yeah. But people just say, oh, look, that's near enough. That'll be fine. Like, don't worry about it. But that would then cause discomfort for me. Yes. And have that feeling of, if I let go, does that equal I'm not doing a good job? Yes. And I know that that's not the, 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 the thing, but that was a process that I would go through. And I know some of my clients struggle with that as well. Yes. It's, I, I mean, I look at my high achieving and it's something I've always done. Yeah. And I, I think I realized that what am I pushing through for? Like I'm not my achievements. And yes. I had to sort of yes. learn that by taking a step back. Yeah. And also in my research around burnout, I've discovered that if you are a perfectionist or a high achiever or a people pleaser, then you are more prone to burnout. Yeah, interesting. And yes, which I realized that part of my burnout was due to the high achieving and continuing yeah. to push through and putting that pressure on myself that I have to be the best and do a good job. Mm. And also then the people pleasing, not setting enough healthy boundaries around that, which, you know, what you said, you see a lot of clients and I do too that have similar like behavioural traits or, yeah. Yes. Yeah. What about this one? Did you ask for help? Are you good (laughs) at asking for help? No, no, <laughs> no I'm like, you're like me. I'm like, no, I can do everything. Yes. You know, I don't know why I've just used, I guess maybe, you know, growing up on a farm, it's that real, I can, I just get in and do it and I'm a coper. And that's why I was struggling to recognize my burnout. Yes. Cause I was like, 
gosh, what's wrong with me? You know, I, I don't usually not cope or feel like this, you know, so. And then that brings another layer. I, the same. And I, I don't know if that's a nature versus nurture thing about the coping. I think we, we often come into life with, you know, certain qualities and whether that's yes. the, the coping, the high achieving. Yeah. We were talking about this the other night as well at the happiness hangouts about strong women. Yes. High achieving women, women who cope when we're not, it's people just go, Oh, you're fine. Like you're fine. You're always good. And then we don't feel yes. I'm kind of doing a royal way here, but yeah. When, when we do kind of say, oh, I'm not coping, then it's almost like a little bit dismissive from others because we have coped so much. Yes. Have you experienced yes. that or seen that with your clients? Yeah, I think so. I think when you do keep continuing yeah. to cope, yes. people just expect you yes. to keep coping. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I, I see that I saw that in myself. And then also with some of my clients as well. Yeah. And that can be tough to, I think, recognise. And then also, as you said, ask for help. And also kind of my patterning is just get on with life. Like just get on. After yeah. my mum passed away when I was young, it was kind of, mm-hmm. it was just almost this expected, you just had to get on and be yeah. okay with things. So that was fairly ingrained. That's fairly ingrained in me about just yes. get on and just make it okay. Yeah. And when it's not, it's kind of like, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not only that I'm not coping, but it's how do I manage the mental element of it that I'm not coping? So absolutely. And that, that would have been a big thing yeah, yeah. to go through. And, yeah. and I, I feel like my conditioning's a little bit the same as far as you just get on with that. And I yeah. saw my mum just get on with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what were this kind of the the big you you've talked about some of the things that you didn't recognize but what was the breakdown bit for you what mm. what did so, how did that present itself Yeah so my burnout burnout yeah I guess it was sort of over a 3 month period and you know I started off not sleeping and saying having sleep disturbance which was unusual for me and I'm very active and healthy so I probably was able to keep going a bit longer and I probably should have. But then I started <laughs> feeling exhausted, you know, not being able to get out of bed and do my walk or anything like that. And I felt sick before going to work, headaches. And I was often bursting into tears before work, wow. which was very unusual. And I know my husband's looking at me like, oh, my goodness, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I know, what is going on? And I had probably some hormonal things going on as well. That was a little bit out of whack. And then one morning I essentially burst into tears and I just said, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not well. I was dreading going to work, which is one of the symptoms. I was having trouble making decisions. My memory wasn't great. So I was having all the physical, the emotional and mm-hmm. the cognitive symptoms mm-hmm. that can happen with burnout. And then I essentially said that morning and, and I ended up like, quitting and and leaving work and I was which wasn't great because I didn't even take any sick leave barely any sick leave and I was like that's not a great strategy for a financial planner but I just was like I need to get out of here and take some time out and that was really strange not working for a while but I needed to do it I needed to just stop yeah and 
reconnect yeah. with myself and recover. My nervous system was, mm. you know, shot, really. Shot. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So this was only a couple of years ago, wasn't it? This was. Yeah, so it was November 21. Yeah, yeah, so not even two years ago. And it's interesting hearing the symptoms, like they're kind of incremental and mm. each symptom on its own is probably not a really obvious one. No. And then, but when they kind of add up, then it becomes yes. like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, that whole burnout. So I guess the key is to listen to yourself. Yeah. This is, you know, note to self as well. Like I, I've haven't had, I've had bouts of burnout. I work pretty hard and, yeah. and my version of it, I equated it this year to like a Jenga tower that it just oh, felt, you yes. know, that game of Jenga tower yes. where you stack the rods and you pull a rod out. And if you pull it the wrong way, everything will tumble. Yeah. I just felt that I was on one of my rods that if I just everything was going to crumble. And yeah. mine was kind of similar to you, Amanda, that it wasn't any one specific thing. Yeah. It was just for me earlier this year when I was taking my dog for a walk and he was off the leash and there was another dog in the area and I just went into panic mode because our dog's a little bit notorious for not getting on with other dogs. <laughs> um, and I just went into crazy woman mode where the, with the owner of the other dog and I burst into tears and I said, it's all right, it's all right. And blah, blah, blah. Like this poor guy, if ever I see him again, but it, I, I just went, you know what? That is just really not my reaction was just so over the top to what was happening. I came home and I just sat there and I went, shit, this is the same as what you're, you know, this is mm. not usual. This was a different yes. wobbly feeling. And it was kind of like, if I don't do something and really take that step back, that Jenga tower will crumble. So yeah. I, I've, and, and when you say about, you know, slowing down and not working, and when you've been a high achiever, yeah. how did you cope with that? Yes, yeah, so it was really strange because, I've always just, you know, not taken a lot of time to stop and felt guilty even if I was sitting around or, Mm. so it was really tough, but I do remember that honestly, I was so exhausted that I, I remember sitting on the front veranda in the sun for about a week, just sort of listening to some podcasts, but just staring up at the mountain behind me because I was so, I just couldn't do anything. Yeah. But over time, I've realized the importance of doing, of stopping and being still and and recovering and recharging your body and that we're not machines and that you just can't keep pushing and pushing and pushing because burnout is what does happen. And then on the, off the back of that, I then got a cancer diagnosis. Oh no. Yeah. So whether that was because of the stress and the burnout or I was just unlucky but that's what can happen if we don't listen to our bodies and what's going on and that's why I'm so passionate about helping women to recognize their stress and start doing things about that before they get to something that could be really bad. Absolutely and it's somebody was talking the other whenever it was 
we purchase our cars and we get our cars serviced regularly. And if we were given that car at birth and we knew that that was the car that was going to be with us forever, we would look after it meticulously. But with our bodies, we are given these bodies from birth and, you know, sometimes we don't look after them quite as well. And and I'm guilty of that. Like I, I, I tend to look after myself pretty well, but there's times when I don't and I forget those things that I tell everybody else about. (laughs) Yeah. And it is about recognizing the, the, the warning signs and, and paying attention to those warning signs. You hear so many stories of different versions of what you've shared where people haven't paid attention to the warning signs and they have got sick. Yes, absolutely. And I think you're right. You know, we're all human. Yeah. Even though, yes, we're like generally healthy and active, but there's times in your life where there might be deadlines or things going on where the wheels fall off. But it's just about recognizing that and and getting back on, you know, the things that we do every day that help us like recharge and recover and make sure that we're yeah, not just pushing the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So you've started your own business. So you've had your recovery and probably still having recovery, but you started your own health coaching business. Yes. When did that kind of come up? When did you do that or were you, how did that eventuate? Yeah. So before I burnt out, I was studying positive psychology and wellbeing and I'd yeah. been interested in positive psychology for probably about five years, and I decided, yep, no, I'm going to study this on the side. And I kind of knew, I think, in the back of my head that I was going to do something in that space. And then when I burnt out and I I took really 12 months off to recover, I finished off that diploma and decided that I wanted to retrain to be a health and mental fitness coach. And yeah, I just, I love learning anyway. And it was such a breath of fresh air. And I think it really helped to actually my recovery because yeah. I was doing something that really lit me up, that really felt aligned, that I was passionate about. And then on, yeah, at the end of last year, I ended up starting my own business and I guess making that decision to leave my career as a financial planner yeah. and really pivot and go on in a new direction but I feel like a lot of the skills are transferable around the coaching yeah. and, and yeah. building relationships and it's yeah it's been such a you know scary interesting <laughs> adventure uh starting your own business but I'm loving it so far and I love helping people and that that's never changed so I'm still doing that but in a different way and so many women that I'm talking to are really stressed out on that treadmill of life, sort of living more reactively and want to be living more purposefully and just helping them reduce that stress and prevent that burnout. I'm really passionate about and I'm finding that women just need that help to to step off and and reconnect with themselves and get their health back on track and maybe what they want the next, you know, 10, 20 years to look like as they're in midlife, you know. Yeah, that's exactly. And I don't know about you, but I predict you would find this with your clients that they probably just love having somebody there that gets them and hears them and sees them 
for what's happening and being able to sort of be their support person, you know, their wing (laughs) woman to help them, you know, just get back on because they probably know a lot of the things. They might not know the things, but it's about having somebody there that holds space for them while they can navigate that. That's what I find a lot with my clients that, yeah, absolutely. And that coaching space, it, it allows them to unpack what's going on. And you would see that a lot with yourself. And I, and what I'm finding because women are so busy, one, they don't give themselves permission to look after themselves or prioritize their health. And I know I was guilty of that. And then secondly, we become disconnected to what's important to us and what matters most. And when we reconnect back to those values and, and what is important, then we can start to make better decisions or different decisions and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And I think sometimes we lose that in yeah, yeah. in life. And I think also, too, what some of the women I'm seeing are that they think that they're the only ones that are not coping or not being able to do it all. And that's not true. And I think when they've realised that, you know, we're all struggling with this in life and that it's okay to say that you're not okay. Yes. Yeah. I um recorded a solo episode of the podcast. Might have been February-ish. And it was when I was going through my Jenga tower. <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> journey. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of, it was interesting because I felt called to capture it when I was going through it, which was a weird kind of thing to do. But my thinking for that was if I could help somebody yeah. by sharing what I was experiencing. And it's really interesting, Amanda, how many women private messaged me around that going, Thank you so much. It's like you were talking exactly to me and sharing my story because there were so many other women that were feeling that and wow. maybe not having a space to or anywhere to direct what they were feeling. And, you know, for me, hearing that feedback was just beautiful because I felt yeah. vulnerable. Man, I felt so vulnerable going, oh, do I, don't I? And I just had this calling to say, well, if I can at least help one woman yes and it appeared to have you know helped some others but um, I mean the power of vulnerability yes in sharing what you're going through and and then other people realizing that they're not alone that's right I think that's what I'm seeing you know with women in general so I think what you've done is fantastic yeah and the big breakthrough for me like I, I I would call on my I called on my emergency help me get life back on track team But the thing that really stands out for me where I noticed a physiological difference when I was talking to a girlfriend who's also a coach and we, we kind of coach each other. But I said to her, I said, do you know what? I'm not okay. And that's the first time I had said that out loud to somebody or out loud acknowledged it. Yes. And I just went, Oh my God, I'm not okay. And then bawled my eyes out, but there was a power in saying that. There was a real power and a healing in just admitting that I wasn't okay. And I think that's what you were saying too. That Yeah, I really resonate with that because I know, you know, that morning that I burst into tears and just said, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm actually not okay. I'm not well. Mm. I need to make a change. Mm. And that was obviously taking that time out to, heal my body and decide what what's next and really reconnect so I 
I understand exactly what you're saying. And I, it's hard to say that when you've always been a coper and you push through yeah. and, but I had to, like, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. So yeah. it was healing and almost a relief. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's when you were talking, that's what was coming forward for me is it was a relief and a release. Yes. And, a release. Yes. yes. And it was almost like, you know, that pressure cooker. And they talk yes. about this, burnout's like that pressure cooker. Mm. And that was taking the lid off. And that is the thing with burnout. It kind of creeps up on you. Yes. Some, yes. You sort of, it's like the pressure cooker. It's it's happening. Mm. And then all of a sudden you don't realise how far in you are. And then it kind of explodes. Yeah. And that's why I guess you know, helping people not get to that point. Yes, exactly. Prevention. My, yeah. when I used to study agriculture at school, prevention right. is better than cure. I remember the ag teacher that they drummed it into us. <laughs> prevention yeah, is better than cure. So yes, exactly. Yes. And, and that's actually where I trained is through pre-cure, which was a New, New Zealand based company. And uh, it's about prevention is cure. So yeah. We need to be looking at prevention before we get to that really bad yeah. health stage mentally and, and physically. Yeah. So what are some quick tips that, I mean, we've woven, there's heaps that we've woven through here, but what would be some quick tips for women who might be resonating with some of those things that we've talked about for them to be able to pre-cure? Yes. Well, I think, you know, just some because women are already busy and feel like they're time poor. So you don't have to do anything that's long. It can just be really quick micro habits. Yeah. And one thing is breathing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it only has to be a minute, but it resets the nervous system and reduces that stress response. So you can build that onto while the kettle's boiling and having a cup of tea, do, you know, 10 deep breaths. So really simple things like that, mindfulness. So when you're eating or when you're walking, just really taking in your surroundings, using your five senses. And there's so many benefits around that. Getting out into nature, just getting outside gives you a a brain a break from computers and that's really healing. Unplugging. So there's a lot of research. Yes, unplugging is really important. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of research around how we need to take those breaks away from technology mm-hmm. and it just helps to replenish those mental resources. Yeah. So that's been something for me. I was talking, actually, it was another podcast guest, Catherine McCoy, and I think we were talking off air, but about circadian rhythms and your sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. But she was saying technology has, pla- uh, has kind of interfered with a lot of circadian rhythms and Absolutely. That, that because when we say about getting sleep, it's about getting quality sleep, but it's yes. also about what we do leading up to our, you know, our kind of sleep hygiene yes. around sleep that. hygiene's habits a big thing. and things. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, interesting. Well, we're nearly at the end. What fills your cup? What's your your kind of what you do when you're not working? Yes. So what fills my cup? I love connecting with my husband. We have coffee. I love connecting with my friends. So, you know, having a good chat with girlfriends really gives me energy. And um, of course, my kids. I love tennis. So I play tennis 
yeah. once yeah. or twice a week. So that is active and I feel like I'm in flow when I'm playing tennis and it's, it's social as well. Yeah. Yeah. And learning. I love learning. So I'm a bit of a podcast junkie. Anything around health, wellness, yeah. mental health. I love it all. So those and travel. Travel is probably one of my, I love adventure and, you know, traveling is gives you, I don't know, just, I love exploring new places. It's exciting. So yeah. Actually, yeah. It is, it's exciting. So I love that's, yeah, definitely something for me. Oh my gosh. You can, even when you're sharing about what fills your cup, you can see that's in alignment with your core values as well. That connection has been a real thread through yes. this chat. So that's been, you know, that connecting with people is a yeah. really important element. So that's very cool. Give us a shout out to your business. What's your business? Yes. Yeah, so my business is Still Wellness and I'm a health and mental fitness coach. My website is www.stillwellness.au. I'm also on Instagram, which is yeah. Still Wellness underscore Amanda Borkham and LinkedIn at Amanda Borkham. Yay. And we'll have all those details in the show notes if people want to reach out to you. Amanda, that's just been beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing your story and the tips that you've for for other women that might be experiencing any of the like those signals. So pay attention, girls, pay attention to what's going on and slow down. Would be my yeah, yes. Slow down is the number one thing. Slow Absolutely. down. Be kind to yourself, and you're doing a great job exactly as you are. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you, Catherine. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend, so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me and our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.